MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Pro Football Blitz with former Super Contest winners Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSAN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back in. It is our number three of the Pro Football Blitz here on VSAN, the Sports Betting Network. Ben Wilson back with you, filling in for Brady Cannon, our guy who's uh, in Gainesville, Florida today, hanging out with the family over Thanksgiving weekend. James Salinas with us as well from Denver, Colorado. And speaking of Florida, we've got one hour left on the show, James. We've got to break down a few more games and to help us talk. Some Jaguars and Falcons. I mean, what a game, really. We're, we're discussing this. Uh, top game on the card, certainly, but we want to get his insights. Mark Long, writer for the Associated Press. Give him a follow at AP Mark Long. I know, Mark, you were in uh, Gainesville as well earlier today with our, uh, you know, our, our compadre there, Brady Cannon. But talking about the, this, this spot here for the Falcons and the Jaguars, I think any time we discuss a, a Jacksonville game and a handicap, Mark, the first place you got to look is, all right, what is, what is the latest and the latest feel for people like you who cover the team and are, are familiar with the intricacies of Urban Meyer as head coach, a guy who has had quite a, the, the jaunt this season in year number one, coming off a blowout loss at home against uh, San Francisco. I mean, here we are. We're at week 12 in the season. What's your thought on, on now that you've had a chance to kind of digest everything we've seen over the first 11 weeks of the year, where this team is actually at versus where you, you and, and others assume they would be at with year one here under Urban? Yeah, they're uh, they have not met expectations. I thought we thought uh, I think everybody thought okay, Urban Meyer, three-time national championship coach, unbelievable pedigree, paired with Trevor Lawrence, you know, generational quarterback. People thought okay, they're going to come in and they're going to make a huge difference right right away. And it's been anything but that. Yeah, they've won two games, but both of those could have been losses. Uh, Buffalo was 
you know, somehow just, uh, you know, kept shooting itself in the foot, lost nine to six in Jacksonville. And then the Jags made two, you know, 50 plus yard field goals in London to beat Miami by a field goal. So, you know, those two games certainly could be losses and we could be sitting here talking about, you know, will Jacksonville set the NFL record for consecutive losses. So having one, two, uh, you know, it, it got you scratching your head, wondering if, if Urban Meyer is the answer or if he's in over his head. Uh, so it's, it's not, it's not great. And it's certainly not, uh, not what people expected. They haven't even looked functional in recent weeks. And that's, uh, that's probably the biggest uh, red flag. Well, Mark, and let's talk about that, that lack of functionality or dysfunction, whatever we want to call it for this Jacksonville Jaguars offense. And you, you think about Trevor Lawrence coming in, the number one overall pick, a lot of pressure on him, but not a lot of pressure as far as the Jaguars' expectations. You mentioned not meeting expectations, but they had nowhere else to go but up after a one-win season last year. But I think about recently with Trevor Lawrence and this offense in general, this offense has only scored four touchdowns in the last four games. Two of those were by Jamal Agnew, who's no longer on the team. He's on injured reserve, unfortunately. But what is going on with the passing game as of late, where it's just, it, it's been games where he's not even breaking, barely breaking breaking 100 yards, throwing the football. And in this day and age, with all the rules set for offenses to sling it all over the yard, what is going on with this Jacksonville Jaguars offense when it comes to the passing game related to Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, it's completely regressed. Trevor's regressed. The offense has regressed. You can point to, you know, lack of playmakers. Um, You know, they lost DJ Chark early in the year. Now they're down Jamal Agnew. You can point to that and, and say he doesn't have maybe two of their big weapons, but there are plenty of good quarterbacks in this league who roll guys in from off the street and find a way to get it done. And Trevor Lawrence isn't getting it done. And it's a combination of a lot of things. James Robinson's banged up. So that's hurt the running game. The offensive line is missing two starters, center Brandon Linder who expects to come back tomorrow. And then right guard, AJ can, they're both, uh, they've both been missing the last few weeks. I think Linder has been out four or five weeks. And so, uh, you know, so that's part of it. Down two starters on the offensive line, down two playmakers on the outside. James Robinson's, you know, battling through an, a knee and an ankle or a knee, knee and a heel injury. So all those things have kind of compounded, but they just look lost. They don't know what they want to do. Uh, Urban Myers, admittedly having some hard decisions about the direction of the offense with his quarterbacks coach and his offensive coordinator. Uh, Urban wants to do more. RPO stuff, run pass options with Trevor Lawrence, things that he was very comfortable with in college. And then, you know, his offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevels, a longtime NFL guy, is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't, we're not Clemson. We're not running this guy downhill in the NFL. That is a recipe for disaster, the recipe to get your quarterback hit, hit often and probably knocked out of the game and maybe even out for the season if you do it often enough. So Trevor Lawrence, is, as mobile as he is, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson, and he's not built like Russell Wilson. So he's not a guy who's going to outrun defenders. He's not a guy who's going to take a lot of pounding. He uh, admittedly doesn't even slide very good. So, you know, so you got it. He's a pocket passer. That's what he's got to be. Can he run? Sure. But they don't want him to run. And uh, so, but it is creating some internal strife because, you know, because Urban Meyer wants to win. And you're not going to win in the current pace of the offense right now. Again, so Mark, uh, sorry, Mark, go ahead. Gonna, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do moving forward. It's well, I, Yeah, it's very 
It's been very bizarre, the whole scenario, just from the, from the week one start when Jacksonville was laying three and a half in Houston and lost outright. And that just began this whole odyssey. Uh, you think about where the line has been this week, and we showed it on our screen a moment ago, how basically all the money, 89% of the of the bets have come in and, and almost that much as far as actual total handle have come in onto the under here. So, Mark, essentially people looking at exactly what you've just you've mentioned and thinking there's no way that this Jacksonville offense paired with an Atlanta offense who have Cordero Patterson questionable at a running back position where we, we have seen how much Patterson has meant to this Falcon offense. Still a couple, there's still a 46 and a half out there in the market thinking about looking on, on the total on this side. At the same time, I mean, it's a Jacksonville rush offense for the year. It's still been a top five unit, despite James Robinson, as you mentioned, being banged up and some injuries on the offensive line. Atlanta, a bottom three defense in general this season. How do you expect that matchup to go when you think about how, I mean, we're obviously ripping ear on Jacksonville and rightly so. Yeah. Not like Atlanta's been very good either. They come in bottom five in both offense and defense with the advanced metrics and DVOA. Do you think Jacksonville can run the ball against an Atlanta defense where they've, they've been giving up big running yards to basically a rushing yards to everybody this year? They can run the ball, will they? I don't know. I, I would bet the under on this thing all day and double down if I can on it. I mean, whatever you can get on this game, I would bet the under. I mean, I just think first one to, you know, probably 16 or 17 is going to win. I mean, this is not, I mean, you know, the Falcons have covered, have scored three points the last two weeks. The Jags are averaging 10 over the last four weeks, I think a little over 10. So, you know, this is not going to be high scoring. And even you can say what you want about, you know, their defenses both being pretty susceptible. But I don't see Matt Ryan just coming out there and, and lighting it up all of a sudden for the first time in weeks. And I don't see Jacksonville all of a sudden, you know, running the ball all over Atlanta. That's just not what they've done. They haven't been very good. James Robinson's banged up. Carlos Hyde, his backup, is banged up. Uh, offensive line, you know, shifting, running in and, in and out. I, they just – something is broken with Jacksonville. Now, you know, I don't know if it's – been broken all year and they've mastered it in a couple games or if it's slowly slowly bending to where now it's broken but they are broken and i don't see them fixing getting this thing turned around no matter who they play whether it's atlanta detroit or any other bad defense you want to roll into jacksonville i don't see jacksonville scoring uh, a bunch of points so mark with that said liking the under and that's where both ben and i are with this game just feeling like points are going to be at a premium with with how poorly both offenses have played so far this season talk to me a little bit about the jacksonville jaguars defense if they're going to try to win this football game they're a short home home dog here uh, with atlanta favored by two talk to me about the jaguars defense in particular getting after the passer because i think that's the one thing we've seen over the last few weeks not so much last week because san francisco just pounded the football running the ball at him but i think about the bills game and beating up on josh allen the way that they did and even when they fell behind against the colts still were able to get a lot of pressure on carson wentz and put him uh, put a number of hits on carson wentz as well talk to me about this front for the jacksonville jaguars and what they can do to get after matt ryan and that atlanta offense yeah, Josh Allen is, is fantastic. He's a difference maker. He's a, you know, Pro Bowl caliber player. He's legit. There's no question about it. Uh, but where he's really good is when there's some pocket push and the quarterback can't step up and all of a sudden he's, you know, he knows where the quarterback's going to be coming off the edge. That's why he was so good against the other Josh Allen, Buffalo's Josh Allen. Uh, he's why he's really good against Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. And then they didn't get a lot of push last week against uh, San Francisco and whether that was because the 49ers are running the ball or, or Jimmy, Jimmy G was getting rid of it really quickly, which he was. Uh, but Josh Allen's really a one man wrecking crew. They got a few other guys up front 
But it really, if, if the middle guys, if it's, you know, Devon Hamilton and Malcolm Brown, if they get a lot of push inside, Josh Allen's going to be pretty good on the, on the edge along with, you know, Jod Ward or Juwan Smoot on the other side. But a big problem for Jacksonville is going to be they're playing without Shaquille Griffin. He's been a shutdown cornerback for them all year. He's been uh, following the best receiver. And there were thoughts that he might even uh, end up on Kyle Pitts because the Jags really consider Kyle Pitts a receiver. And with him not there, that's going to force Trey Herndon opposite rookie Tyson Campbell. I think they'll play a lot more zone and probably get picked apart here by Matt Ryan and and, uh, Kyle Pitts and maybe even be a little susceptible to the run. Uh, you know, and, and creating some holes there. So, uh, you know, it, it's got a potential, but only if the Falcons can't block. And I know they've had some issues there. Matt Ryan's, you know, been pressured. He's thrown the ball up a little bit. But uh, right now, without uh, Shaquille Griffin, I wonder how good the Jack secondary is going to actually be. Again, Mark Long joining us, writer for the Associated Press. Give him a follow at AP Mark Long. Mark, really appreciate the time. We're sorry you have to. I mean, you're covering this team. You're doing you know, yeoman's work out there in uh, in Jacksonville. Hopefully, <laughs> it's a hopefully it's a somewhat entertaining game. James and I both would be leading under here. So before above anything else, but thank you so much for the time. Have a great rest of your weekend. No problem. Thank you guys. Bye bye. Absolutely. All right, James. Before we go, where where is Urban Meyer coaching in uh, in September 2022? Well, considering what happened in Michigan, maybe there's a push for him to go back to the U, and he's back in Ohio <laughs> State. It'd be something else. I have a fe- I have a feeling it's going to be a Western-based city with a large university nicknamed the Trojans. That's just that's just my punch there. I don't I don't I don't think it'll be in Jacksonville. That's all I'm going to say. At least for next year. We still have a couple games though to preview. We'll discuss those a little more appealing games on the other side as we wrap up final hour of the Pro Football Blitz here on VSIM, the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday... 
You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We have a new prop tracker now available on VEASAN.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. Head to VEASAN.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and more. Check out the prop tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at VEASAN.com slash NFL. You know what we don't have, though, as part of that tracker? Uh, odds for first coach fired since that is normally uh, an offshore Offering there, uh, James Salinas, as we welcome you back to the Pro Football Blitz. I was just thinking about that during the last break with A, our discussion on Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, and B, the next game we'll talk about what has happened in Denver with with Vic Fangio. You're the you're our guy with the boots on the ground there, James, in Denver. Longtime follower of the Broncos, but as you know, as a better, you are you have the benefit of seeing things through a more clear objective lens. I mean, surely this has got to be the, the final year for, for Vic, right, in Denver? And, you know, you think about a divisional game like this. Sure, the, the record has actually been decent, and they're still in the mix, not at all eliminated by any means for the playoff push in the AFC wildcard race. But, man, what have you made of a, of a Bronco team that has been so hard to figure out, just from a general perspective? And it is all, has, has, for the last couple of years now, felt like it's been held back a bit by Fangio as a head coach. Well, and think about it. Think about Fangio, too. I mean, Fangio's been in this – he's been coaching football since, I think, started in the 80s. I mean, he was linebacker coach for the Dome Patrol back with New Orleans when they – and it was terrific defense back then, in particular those linebackers that they had nicknamed the Dome Patrol. But, you know, that was four decades ago. We're talking 40 years, and I think what's happened here is the disconnect – uh, the communication disconnect for one, the generational multiple multiple generational disconnect 
with Fangio, trying to even be able to communicate with this new generation of players, right? So it's a very young, for the most part, it's a very young team. He went after and got the secondary that he wanted. It's kind of the the Denver Bears or the Chicago Bears, Denver Bears, whatever. That's kind of what the fan base calls mm-hmm. them here is the Denver Bears as far as some of the personnel moves that he's made over the last couple of years. But I just think there's a, a disconnect between the coaching staff and this generation, this young generation of Denver Broncos that are here. And, and part of it, defensively, yeah, that falls on Fangio not being able to get in there. And and I think we see this a lot, too, that these coaches, if they've been long time, whether it be offense, defensive coaches, or coordinators, which Fangio was for quite a while there, especially in Chicago, they can't put they can't put the play sheet down. They just focus on that side of the football, and then they also have to manage all the things that go on off the field, and then in game management. We're talking about clock management, managing your timeouts. I think that's where it's really struggled. And I think for Fangio, yeah, is this it for Fangio this season? Unless they find a way to rally and win the AFC West, which is put a number on that, and I'll I'll bet the no on it, no matter what that number is, Ben. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, Fangio and his team will be gone at the end of the season. I know they are, uh, at least as, as of today, 12-1 to 1 to win the AFC West. So whatever the correlated no, you're going to have to lay a lot of juice uh, there, 13. <laughs> yes. I don't think it's happening. Well, you think well, about a game lay like it, this. Lay it, because it's yeah. – well, and you think about a game like this against the Chargers, and it's going to have to fall on the defense to have to make plays again, but they don't have the pass rush. They are really beat up at linebacker, too. So they're, they've had suffered a number of injuries, especially at the linebacker position all season long. At one point, they had eight linebackers on injured reserve. They were picking up guys uh, picking up guys at Jefferson Park, which is literally the park right across the street from my high stadium, looking for anybody to pick up to put on a, a jersey and play in the middle of that defense. But to that to that end i think again just the the kind of the disconnect there and then we talked about and we kind of joked about teddy bridgewater earlier in the, in the show right where he's going to have to polish up on his tackling ability cuz he did not make any effort whatsoever to make a tackle on that return from darius slay that turned into uh, a huge game changer in that game against the philadelphia yeah. eagles a couple weeks back but i think that just speaks to the fact that denver is they've struck out and missed at the quarterback position in the draft over the last 5 years since Peyton Manning retired and now they're going on for here it's a it's a one year contract for Teddy Bridgewater and Bridgewater was like absolutely not am i going to bang up my body cuz i know i'm not going to be here next year either so it just speaks to this is where this team is going forward it's going to be a tough spot the more we talk about it the more i'll start talking myself into betting the chargers <laughs> laying less than 3 I, I, I was thinking back to a couple of weeks ago and i had the broncos in the in a contest play Minus three against Washington, and uh, and as you certainly watched, James, and as we all did, that end of game sequence, it was, I want, you know, I I thought my head was going to explode, and I'm like, look, I I don't care that I won the bet, uh, I'm just, I'm just not betting. Uh, it's going to take a lot for me to bet on a Vic Fangio led team, especially with with the the lack of, uh, you know, understanding and what to actually do in these late game scenarios. I think though, on because I have heard James some some thought to that this week that a Denver could be a good teasable candidate as a home dog, getting LA off of that primetime Sunday night game where they have the crazy shootout in the end and they are able to win but don't cover against Pittsburgh and there's, there has been some popular thought that uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I would go as far as to say popular but there has been some thought that a, a trendy home dog could be in the cards this week for the Broncos especially for them coming off of the bye I, I wonder though you think about the the Charger side of things Matt Filer left guard questionable an O-line that has been so much improved from last year without nose tackle involved Joseph who has has been ruled out for this game We've seen how the one thing that Denver has been able to do well defensively has been on early downs. They're a top five team against the pass. 
And we know how explosive the Chargers offense has been. But the one thing they have struggled with, James, is sometimes getting themselves into these third and longs. It was a point of emphasis during the bye week from their new head coach, Brandon Staley, thing. look, we, we got to get ourselves out of these third and long plays because while Justin Herbert was one of the best quarterbacks in the league on third downs last season, it's just something that is so hard to sustain week in, week out, year over year. What do you make of, of that matchup where we know both teams, as we've talked about, Denver, obviously ad nauseum how banged up they are defensively. Do you think Denver can at least force the Chargers into some of these third longs in an area where that's been one of the few strengths of a Broncos defense this season? Uh, to me, it all comes down to what do the Chargers do with Eckler? I think Eckler's one that we saw it last week against Pittsburgh. Very versatile back, not only running the football, but but a, a really tremendous receiver out of the backfield. Great route runner. And you're going to be matching up against, I don't know what linebackers they're going to try to throw at him or they're going to have to bring it, especially now that you don't have, you're most likely not going to have Kareem Jackson out there at the safety position. Who's What is the matchup going to be with Austin Eckler? And I think Eckler is the key for the Chargers. If he can, if they can get him involved consistently and stay ahead of the sticks, now instead of having second and eight, you're going to have second and four, second and three. I think that's where Herbert really shines because he is, you know, you know he's going to stand tall in the pocket, although he did show his his running and scrambling ability last week. I think he ran for for what ninety yards last week against Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think that's the key right there is really Eckler. I just don't know how the Broncos are going to match up with Eckler on three downs because he'll play all three downs. How do the Broncos match up with him consistently? I think that's the key for Denver. They've got to find ways to be able to limit Eckler's touches and his effectiveness if they want to stay in this game. With a top safety, Kareem Jackson downgraded to doubtful in this spot. Also, a former high school classmate of mine, not James, Shelby Harris, who he was two years ahead of me at the old Homestead High School in Mequon, Wisconsin. He's been great for the Broncos over the past few years. Yes. As a defensive end, he is questionable in uh, in this spot, didn't think I'd be able to mention my uh, my home, you know, Mequon, Wisconsin, mention there, James. But I will get into. I, I am able to do that today. Uh, so I and I'm with you. I lean on the Charger side as well. If you if you made me pick at the minus two and a half, there are still though 47s out there in the market. That's where I'm looking on the total. I, I still trust enough that a the Chargers are going to be able to have their way offensively in this game, and I think Denver's going to find a way to scheme, especially out of a bye, scheme some big plays for Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. I think they they keep this game tight. And it, it could end up in more of a shootout, which we have seen in a lot of spots uh, for the Chargers this season. So that that is my thought, at least on a game like that. Uh, James, I know we already mentioned uh, 49ers and Vikings. That is uh, a contest play of yours, one of your best bets, one that I am uh, I am uh, I'm going with the Vikings in this spot in a teaser here up to the nine and a half. It's it's an interesting spot to see the way the line has gone here, and obviously a lot of people really liking San Francisco. And you laid out a number of really good reasons for it earlier in the show. At three and a half, though, it, it's trending the direction, James, that this is going to be three and a half basically market-wide by the time uh, we get uh, closer and closer to kickoff here. Does does your opinion change at, at three and a half, or is it one of those where you still like San Francisco even even despite that uh, that tax you would have to pay? Certainly always a big one to pay when you're going from a, a key number up a half a point to three and a half. No, I don't, and I think that's where if you miss – usually what I do, if I miss the best number that was out there, then I'll wait to see if I can find a spot playing in-game. And then you mentioned thinking about where this game, over the course of four quarters, we know what San Francisco wants to do. They want to run the football consistently, and I think they're going to be able to do that and wear down this Vikings defense. You mentioned the, the injuries and or COVID and or mental health break that the defensive line is going to have to take because all four starters that began the season for Minnesota up – 
front are not playing in this game. So that defensive front is really thin. It's not a team that plays very well against the run to begin with. So I think maybe if you couldn't get that three, if you're looking to play San Francisco as the game continues, I think San Francisco will start to control that line of scrimmage and really wear down that thin defensive front for the Vikings. That's where you can get involved and maybe find a better number at some point in the second half. And it is interesting. We're showing our betting splits right now on the screen. You saw how at least as of last night, the majority of the money and, and majority of the ticket count and the handle coming out of Minnesota, but the line has clearly gone up here. San Francisco minus three and a half. And as James, you pointed out, and I pointed this out earlier, I'll make, make the point again, Minnesota, a bottom five team in general against the rush this year, bottom three on early downs. I, it's more of a spot play for me, liking Minnesota, where they've been tremendous. 3-0 as a road underdog this season. San Francisco has really struggled in these home spots as a favorite. I'm not totally sold on San Francisco going going forward, so I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see. I think regardless, it'll be a close game, which is why I, I really, really like the point you make, James, on you know, look, don't, don't, don't go chasing numbers, especially when we're talking on key numbers with the three and the three and a half there. Uh, very interesting to see how that game will play out tomorrow. We still have several games we need to discuss. We'll talk Browns-Ravens next here on the Pro Football Blitz. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the sports betting network. The VEASAN Cyber Monday offer is here right now. When you sign up for our $99 midseason football special, you'll also receive a $20 credit to the VEASAN store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season, plus $20 to buy VEASAN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry, this is a limited-time offer, so sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift at vcin.com slash subscribe as we welcome you back it's the pro football blitz we've got a few games still to get through as we welcome you with uh, james salinas in denver colorado former super contest champion ben wilson with you filling in for our guy brady cannon who enjoyed a nice little florida gator victory over a florida state earlier today down in gainesville james we have yet to discuss the sunday night football contest you and i each having one of these two teams in our contest plays for this week we are in agreement on the side here but we need to go a little deeper discuss why browns ravens uh, this was a team that not not very popular at least in circa millions as far as neither side being e- even in the top 15 of most popular selections here and you look at how things have trended in the market now james i'm seeing things starting to get even as low as three in some spots with juice on the favored baltimore ravens still three and a half in a lot of shops but it's certainly trending like that is going to be the the closing number here down to a key number of three tight divisional spot like this in the AFC North, James. Uh, how did you analyze things from from the Cleveland perspective with so much negativity surrounding Baker Mayfield at the quarterback spot, now going on the road facing a certainly a game Baltimore team uh, on the road in this spot? Baker Mayfield's beat up. He's been beat up since the second game of the season when he tore his labrum trying to make a tackle against Houston. And so, yes, it's his non-throwing shoulder, but he's had to wear this big harness, and I think that's really affected his his ability to, to follow through. It's really limited. It's on his torso, and he really struggles to follow through, and it's affected his accuracy for sure. Couple that with over the last few weeks, he's had a heel injury as well as a believe a knee a bone bruise in his knee he's really hobbling around out there and gutting through it right now and I wonder if maybe he is the best bet to go and sometimes you you can be a detriment to your team if you're clearly banged up and you put the backup in who they do have in Case Keenum and he's a veteran he's been around plenty do you, are, is he doing his team a disservice by trying to gut it out and be the leader that's what they brought him in he's the number one draft pick back a few years ago he's got to step up and show out that he can fight and battle through and, and persevere through pain however 
on that all that being said aside from Baker Mayfield the Cleveland Browns come into this matchup against the Ravens as healthy as they've been all season long in particular on that offensive side think about Jack Conklin he'll be back at the right tackle position as well as Kareem Hunt he has been activated activated he'll be available to get back there in that one-two punch of Kareem Hunt Nick Chubb maybe in this game that's all they need to have as Baker Mayfield is banged up as he is all he's got to do is hand the football up because we know what the identity of the Cleveland Browns team when they are fully healthy is running the football and doing it consistently against now we think about the Baltimore Ravens on the other side this is not a healthy team this is, hasn't been a healthy team to start the season all the injuries that they suffered during the preseason well that hasn't stopped I mean they're right there neck and neck as far as guys a number of guys on injury reserve just like Tennessee that we talked about how beat up that team is well you can say the same here for the Ravens I think they've got 17 guys on injury reserve as well as a number of players who are either questionable or doubtful in this matchup and you think about who's banged up well what is the matchup here if Cleveland's going to line up and pound the football at you you got to have your front seven intact, and that's where I think there's some major injuries for Baltimore in this matchup that I that I fa- that put me in favor of the Browns. Think about Brandon Williams; he did not practice on Friday. He hasn't played the last few games with a shoulder injury. He's a big space eater in the middle of that defensive line at the tackle position. And Calais Campbell; he has not practiced all week with concussion, so don't know his status yet. But if you haven't practiced all week, we know the concussion protocol. If he hasn't practiced all week, don't know. I don't suspect he'll be out there in this matchup against that Cleveland Browns team and then the corners they've got four corners right now of those that are left healthy they have all four corners on the injury report listed as questionable a couple of which did not practice this week at all including Jimmy Smith I don't know if Baker Mayfield can take advantage of that but they're going to need some healthy secondary players to come up and play that run because I think that's what it's going to be Cleveland running the football each and every down, pounding the football into submission. I think over four quarters with that other side, with the defense being beat up the way that it is for the Ravens. That's where I like getting it past that hook, sitting at three and a half. I, th- I like the Browns. And you think about two total right now at 47, basically market wide, which if you, if just from a game flow perspective, James, and I, as we've talked about earlier, I have the Browns as well as a contest play for me this week, week liking them getting more than the three in a divisional matchup like this. You could see this being one of those ball control Cleveland games, kind of you know in the same same sense that we saw Cleveland at Minnesota earlier this season, where that was a 14-7 game for Cleveland. Both teams had were unable to, and they had long stretches of of time with the ball. But again, Minnesota unable to to fully stretch the field against Cleveland. Only had the opening drive touchdown and nothing thereafter. So I, I could see this being kind of an undertype spot. I'm I'm not going to bet. <laughs> excuse me, that side of it. I already have Cleveland again as a, a contest play. But from the overall perspective on Baltimore, James, I mean, this is a team who's seven and three, five wins when they were trailing in the fourth quarter. You could argue at least four of them were games they probably did not deserve to win. Again, not you know, not that you really hold that team accountable for something like that when you go into a game by game handicap. But are you a believer in just in general Baltimore going forward here? This and again, this is the first of. Two meetings between Cleveland. Cleveland will face Baltimore again after it's by uh, coming back in week 14. Like, Where do you stand on a Raven team that is, over the last three weeks, scored 43 combined points in the first three quarters? I should say over the last four games. 43 total points combined in the first three quarters. They've had to completely rely on these fourth quarters to come back in games or or hold, hold opponents uh, off here. What do you think about them going forward to your long term? Well, I think the hard part is 
the, all the injuries that they suffered on the offensive side even coming into the season. You talk, think about the running back position. They were completely decimated before they even got to week one with all the injuries that they had, as well as offensive line. Ronnie Stanley's gone for the year. They've had to revamp that offensive line. So this is not the same uh, lineup, and we're just going to beat you up for four quarters running game that we've seen out of the Baltimore Ravens over the last few years. That's the identity. That's who they want to be, but you still have to have the personnel to be out there to do that, and I think the injuries have really started to play out and catch up to them because we know with Lamar Jackson, yeah, sensational runner outside the pocket with design runs. I mean, nobody runs the ball better from the quarterback position than Lamar Jackson, but yeah, that being said, I think there's still a lot of shortcoming when it comes to the offense being able to push the ball consistently with any kind of pass attack down the field. And now they get themselves where the lack of a rushing game now puts them behind the sticks a lot, a lot of third and longs. And I think that's where the for, for Jackson, that's where he doesn't want to be. That pass attack, that's not where they want to be is when they're in third and long. And the lack of, of consistently being able to establish that ground game due to all the injuries that they suffered throughout, not only beginning the season, but throughout the season, at the running back position as well as the offensive line. I think it's starting to catch up with them. I know Jackson will be back for this game. Obviously missed last week due to due to sickness. Wasn't COVID, but was a, a illness that he wasn't able to play out there for Chicago. You know Baltimore is going to play hard. They're going to be compete each and every week outside of we can throw out that game against Miami after that short week going right. down there to the Dolphins completely flat spot. But I think going forward, you look at their you look at their schedule. Uh, their schedule. I mean, they're they're this marks this game here for both of these teams. Uh, AFC North is just going to be a complete slugfest for these remaining seven weeks. I think whichever team is finally the healthiest is probably the one that comes out on top. And right now, you look at the health status of all four teams in the AFC North. You want to power rate just the health status of these teams? Baltimore would be at the bottom of that division. Look, my uh, I think you just you know throw up your hands as far as picking who's actually going to win the division. You, there's a case to be made for all four right now. I've got my Browns plus 180 ticket from the preseason or I'm like, oh, I feel like this has been dead, but it's not really. I can't totally throw it in the trash yet. Like I'll hang on to it, but I still don't think they're actually going to win the division. So it's a, certainly been a weird, weird spot to look at. And it's funny how we say all that and, and kind of my initial handicap on both of these divisional spots, James, you and I both, we end up circling back to taking the home, taking the dog in both of these AFC North divisional spots this week with the Cleveland, both of those teams were taking both on the road here, Cleveland and uh, Pittsburgh in spots like that. Uh, before we hit a break too, James, you mentioned earlier, you do like, and, and we talk about our Sunday night game here. We also have our marquee uh, 425 Eastern window game in the Rams and the Packers. You liking the Rams, especially in a contest, being able to take them at, at a pick them. And you've also laid the one with them uh, in pocket. I, just from a just from a principle standpoint, James, the thought of teasing Aaron Rodgers up through the key numbers of three and seven as a home underdog, one that is going to be hard for a lot of betters to not want to go, in, you know, want, not want to go in on. So even if you, you certainly like the Rams there at the minus one, I know you do, but what about a teaser leg here with Green Bay? That it seems to be the one on paper when you think about the Wong teaser legs. It really jumps off the page when you're getting an Aaron Rodgers, even if he is banged up with a toe injury. That's it's the one you got to gravitate towards. I would think. Are you? Would you still think that's a good play? Or are you? You just staying away from that side altogether? You just going in on the Rams. I'm staying away from that side with the Packers. I mean, they have the bye following this game, and this is a team that's beat up not only with Aaron Rodgers and his toe situation. What is Aaron Jones? They talked about him being limited in practice. Does he come back and play in this game? Why would you? Why would you risk him putting out there and putting in this game when you have the bye week and another two weeks to to get Aaron Jones healthy? You're going to need him for the stretch. They got they're they're looking for the Super Bowl. You got to stay healthy in this spot. Left tackles beat up as well, and then that defense. A lot of missing players on that defense that have been out for quite a while for Green. 
Bay, I think this is where it all these injuries finally catch up to them. This may be a spot where they're just looking ahead to that bye and the Rams looking forward from their bye week to, to get that nasty taste out of their mouth for the last two games that they lost on prime time. Yeah, going to be really interesting to see what we do get out of Green Bay tomorrow in that spot against the Rams. We still do have to preview our Monday night football contest. We'll do that next. Recap all of our bets bets as we wrap things up here on the Pro Football Blitz. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. 
I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question. I promise you have to go. I have to go. But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get an extra helping of football with Madden Holiday Madness. Play free in three fantasy football contests and compete all Thanksgiving weekend for a share of $15,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash EA Madden now to get in on the action. EA Sports, it's in the game. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We welcome you back for the final time. It's the Pro Football Blitz here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Back alongside James Salinas, former Super Contest champion, joining us from Denver, Colorado. Ben Wilson with you, filling in for our other former Pro pro Football Contest champion in Brady Cannon. James, one more game to get to. It is, as Brady would say, the Monday Nighter as we talk Seahawks and Washington football team, a game that has seen a tremendous amount of line movement this week, opening in some spots as high as Seattle laying three on the road. It's completely flipped, though, as far as uh, where we're at now. Pick them in some spots, still seeing Washington laying a point now in a number of books as well. In the contest, this was uh, Washington minus one. And while it did not crack the uh, the circuit consensus in the top five, likely due to how much that had moved and, and Washington having to lay a point, uh, still uh, it has still been bet more than uh, than the Seahawks game so far. 16th most popular selection, Washington in circuit millions as opposed to 20th for Seattle. We saw, we talked, and I know Brady loves to talk, James, about buying on bad news for these teams, but I mean, Seattle, is. can you possibly go in on a team that has looked as completely disjointed and inept as Seattle has over these last two weeks since the return of Russell Wilson. What say you? Russell Wilson's clearly not healthy with his finger injury, the surgery that he had that he put him out for a handful of weeks. He hasn't been able to grip the ball. We saw that a couple weeks back when he first came back against Green Bay, and maybe the cold had something to do with it. But whether he, whether he's fully healthy or not, I suspect he's not. That this offense starts it it starts and ends with with this team at the point of attack with this offensive line. I'm looking through these injuries. It hasn't been a good offensive line. It hasn't been a good offensive line for quite a while up there in Seattle, and. Now it looks like they've just put a couple other. They put tackled Jamarco Jones is not going to play in this game. Guard Damian Lewis is not going to play in this game either. We know Sean Rashad Penny is not playing. Does he ever play anymore? I don't know if he ever has. Yeah, fair point. It falls back to I know Carson's gone. Like this team is just it's just it. You kind of feel bad for Russell Wilson. He talked in the offseason, well, maybe if I wasn't going to be here, here's some of the teams I'd like to go to, uh, trying to find his voice there to, to speak out for that Seattle team. Well, they didn't do him any favors here. No, no depth on the offensive line running back as well. But what are we going to get out of Washington? I, I, this is not a team that – is it going to be the Washington team that we saw not only pound the football and commit to running the football against Carolina last week for almost 200 yards or upsetting Tampa Bay a couple weeks back is what, nine, ten-point underdogs being able to win that game outright? Is that the Washington football team we're going to see? Or is it the Washington football team that we saw four weeks – the four weeks prior to that that couldn't find their way into the end zone and look completely inept offensively? Uh, Washington has been one of the teams I think – has been for at least for me been 
the team. I just can't get a handle on this team. I had some high expectations for this team coming into the season, really based on that defense in particular, that front four, their ability to get after the get after the quarterback, not having to blitz and being able to play coverage behind them based on what we saw last year with that front four in the second half of the season, really being able to get after it and just being game wreckers consistently week in and week out that put them into the playoffs last year. Well, that didn't materialize this year and off to the really slow start that they had. I don't know who this football team is there in Washington. I, I don't. I, Seattle, yes, beat up, banged up. Russell Wilson still got a, a ton of heart. He's a champion. We know that. And he's going to have competitive pride stepping out there. And everybody's saying, your season's done. Is this the night on Monday night that Russell Wilson looks healthy, finds his guys, and and pulls out a win for this team against the Washington football team? Honestly, Ben, I, don't, I, I can't pick a side in this game. I'm completely lost as to which way to go. What say you? I, I am with you on not loving either side. I would love to have the Stones to come out and say, you know what, this is ridiculous. This Washington team sucks. They have not been good all season long. Two games that were a fluke for them coming out of a bye. I just can't get there with, with Seattle, a team that is 23rd in, uh, you look at since Russell Wilson's return over the last two weeks, 23rd in passing on early downs, which has kept them behind the sticks and is just really uh, turned into a domino effect on the offensive side of the ball, even though you're getting a, a Washington team who's, 31st in uh, defensive DVOA this season, you still wonder, all right, what does the Seattle team have left? I, I look at it too, James. You think about last week. You think about a, a Seattle team as well who, and I, I teased them up to plus eight and a half. To not, even, to not be able to cover a teaser leg when you have a seven and a half point move in your favor against a backup quarterback, against a team who clearly was just trying to get healthy and not really caring necessarily about the result with such a, uh, such a lead that Arizona had in the division. That was the point for me. Like, that was the must-win spot for Seattle that we discussed, I think a lot of us did throughout the week last week. That was the spot to me for Seattle. I get that it's a primetime game, and now all the eyes are going to be on, all right, well, how bad will Russell Wilson actually look in this game? And it would not shock me whatsoever if Seattle came out and won the game, James. But to that point, when when you lay an egg in a spot like that in a position where the other team, and nobody ever is punting any of these games in the NFL, but when a team like Arizona comes out and says, yeah, we're going to willingly throw Colt McCoy as a starter on the road against you. And to see the way Cliff Kingsbury coached circles around Pete Carroll, I just can't have any confidence in in backing a Seattle team uh, on the road here. So if anything, like I'd probably look at, uh, at, a, at a total in a spot like this. It's still as high as 47. I'm not at all sold on this resurgent uh, Washington offense, and I still think Seattle's going to struggle moving the ball here, even though Washington on the season has been a bottom two defense. So to me, under would be the only way I would look, but – Oh, in all likelihood, James not going to have a not going to have a play outside or total for me, and it's partly based on how awful of a performance we saw last week in Seattle in a spot that, while it's not like a random week three game, it was a spot they had to have and one that they just get, did uh, did not show up for. Could not believe it, and I'm obviously I'm bitter. Didn't cover my eight and a half when I'm getting a seven and a half point live move in my favor. That's what it comes down to uh, to me, James. But I'm still not at all sold on this Washington team just because they've won a couple of games and have certainly looked impressive out of the bye. But uh, I, I'm not a believer in them. No, I think it again. I can't make I can't make a decision on the side for either of these teams. I could I can find a lot more cons for both of these offenses than I can pros. But mention the the total there sitting at forty six and a half, roughly consistently or consensus wise out here in Colorado. Anyhow, and 
I could I could see why I, I wouldn't want to go the over in that matchup. Thinking right. about where Seattle is offensively, Russell Wilson not being healthy, not having be, no running game whatsoever, and then the injuries on the up, up front on the offensive line. And Russell Wilson is not going to be one that puts the ball on the ground or throws the ball to the wrong team consistently. So, yeah, does Washington try to find its running legs like it did last week against Carolina? That's why the the, if there is a strength for that Seattle defense, if we can call it that, uh, it would be against the run, especially up front. I think they match up pretty well with that offensive line. So maybe that's where if we're going to get involved or if I'm going to get involved, which I have not yet, and I don't know if I will, if I do get involved, it's probably looking at that total, and the only way I could bet it would be under. Yep, uh, I'm certainly certainly with you on that. Uh, as, uh, as we discuss Monday Night Football, we also can uh, recap here our best bets before we go. There is one total I am playing, James, uh, and we, we joke earlier about uh, Teddy Bridgewater not attempting to even tackle on uh, off, off of that Darius Slate fumble re- return touchdown. I won't complain if he doesn't try to tackle again this week because I love the over in Chargers-Broncos. Give, him, give me over 47 in that spot. I'm going to tease the Steelers up to plus 10 with the Vikings plus 9.5. And I'm also going to throw together the Patriots and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' little two-team money line parlay gets uh, plus 112 uh, their worth of value. I, I mean, I have big shoes to fill, James. I mean, not just because Brady Cannon is just a you know, stand-up awesome guy, but he, he's 20-13, and 13, I see, in the Pro Football Blitz records this, uh, this season. So I've got my contest plays. If I can just break 500, James, with the way this season and, and the walkiness has been, I'm, I'm going to be happy. I'll, that's all I'm going to say there. Well, let me give you a weather update for your total with the Chargers and the Broncos. It's going to be mid-60s, no wind, beautiful day, sunny. So we're talking about, you think about a a warm weather team like the Chargers, especially a team that likes to throw the ball all over the field. The weather is going to be very conducive for them to be able to throw the ball. And I think that Broncos defense and the lack of a pass rush will also be conducive for the Chargers doing their part to put some points up on the board. So totally get where you're coming from with looking at that total and the over for the Chargers and the Broncos. As far as some of my best bets to just, just to recap a couple of my best bets going back, we talked about you talked about the teaser. I like the teaser with the Pats. I, I think they win the game tomorrow with a beat up against a beat up Tennessee team, drop them down to one, put it with the Sunday nighter with the Browns, moving them up to plus nine and a half. I do like the Steelers in that divisional dog on the road at Cincinnati, plus three and a half. It's also a contest play for me. I like the Rams in the spot. I think Green Bay's really beat up and need this bye week. Bye week's gonna come right after the game. Perfect time for Aaron Rodgers to get his toe fixed and Remember to keep his shoes on at the press conference, like the Rams minus the one. And <laughs> yes. I like the 49ers minus three running the football. Decimated defensive line for Minnesota going into this matchup. 49ers have found their running game again. I think for four quarters, they start to wear down a very thin defensive front for Minnesota. There we go. Best bets for week number 12 in the National Football League. A, a fascinating slate, especially from the contest selections. We'll see again. Pittsburgh, the most... Most popular selection. I can't wait to see the carnage in Survivor this week uh, with Derek Stevens showing us 12 people. That's your highest entry selection. 12 of the 40 remaining in Circus Survivor on New England. Uh, tomorrow, James Sledis and uh, you, you and myself will be back. Pro Football Blitz, 8 to 11 Eastern to talk about everything we see and also talk through Sunday Night Football as well. So I can't wait for that. Uh, always great to be on with you, my friend, and we'll see you tomorrow. Good luck with your bets, Ben. Appreciate it. All right, that does it for us here on the Pro Football Blitz. It is VEASAN Bet Center coming your way next with Jeff Parles on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.